blissfully aware, the show in which three opinionated people discuss what's going on in fandom and nerd news in general. I am Bliss, and as always, I'm joined by my two lovely co-hosts, Kelty and Kendra. Hello. Hello. So, y'all, has anything been uh, happening, happening in the news? Anything going on all over the place? It's that, been on Fox News. That stupid boat got unstuck from the Suez Canal. Oh, that's oh, true. About the boat. So the capitalism boat. is restored. <laughs> oh, I will miss all the memes. The boat was only sexy to me when it was stuck. <laughs> but did you? But did you or did you not find the boat sexy? I find every boat sexy. Okay, <sighs> got off to a bad start. This could have been our boat episode. <laughs> it could have been our boat episode! Why are we having a boat episode? Because I love boats. Because I promised Kelty if there was a boat <gasps> drama, we could have a boat right, episode. right! There was a whole boat drama! <laughs> there was a boat drama, oh, but we missed it. Continuity! <laughs> we made it. We tied yeah. it in. Yay! So, boat drama! The, the boat wasn't really fandom related, except some people did write porn of it and the land excavator trying to free it from the Suez Canal. Like, as a joke, but, you know, they still wrote it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Did you see Chuck Tingle's book that he wrote for it? Yes. Oh, bless. I did not. I did learn, apparently, like, it, to me, I know what the Suez Canal is, and I just, you know, imagined that this vital causeway in the, the map of the world shipping lines would have, like, you know be lined by concrete or have like a rubber bumper on it but nope it's apparently just a ditch mm-hmm. it's apparently just a ditch in the desert a ditch with some water in it. <laughs> it just runs right up onto the land there's no there's no mechanism to protect the edges or anything so chuck tingle's book is called i freed this handsome cargo ship from the suez canal and now he's stuck in my butt <laughs> Bless Chuck Tingle. American hero. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm just imagining, like, against my better my better judgment, what is it like a man with a boat head? Or is he is he fucking the container carrier somehow? It's just a face pasted on the boat and a naked guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a okay. boat with a people. <laughs> It's like Thomas the Tank Engine rules, mm-hmm. where it's just a heavy piece of machinery with a human face stuck on it. Hell yeah. Alright, well I don't know where the sexual orifices of a shipping container boat are. I will find one. But good luck to you, Chuck Tingle. <laughs> so yeah, other than the ship and the Suez Canal, I think all that's really been all over the news, <laughs> Fox News and Twitter and... Everywhere else is uh, Lil Nas X's new video. It's great. I love it. I think it's perfect. It is certainly a video. (laughs) I like it. That makes it sound like I don't like it. It's just a lot. Of course it's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. I mean, yeah. Kelty has like an almost clinical pathological need to just mother every young queer Yes. That there is. She just wants to protect. And... Yes. Well, there's that. And then there. I thought you were going to talk about my pathological need to sexualize, like, Christianity. Oh, no, that's that's just for funsies. I yeah. don't think that that's, like, some kind of, like, symptom on your part. Oh, that's just no. for the lulls. Yeah. And also <laughs> to get me hot. I think that wanting to protect and nurture young queer babies is... <laughs> Is part of your pathology. Yes, that's that's fair. Yes. Yeah, he seems to be holding his own, though. He is. For the most he's part. I mean, you'd have to. dragging people left and right. Yeah, if y'all haven't been on the internet in the past week, maybe you've missed. But Lil Nas X dropped Call Me By Your Name, which is pretty fire. Don't say fire. Well, it ties in a little bit, right? Oh, I get it. You're trying to make a hell joke. (laughs) Not well. (laughs) No. That music video, though, it sure do be a video. Like, any metaphor you can think of for the queer experience and religion. He was telling a story. 
his experience with growing up queer and having religion forced down his throat, which I'm sure some of us on this podcast <laughs> can relate to. His father was a pastor, apparently. So that'll do it. Yeah, and now he's dick riding the devil. <laughs> and I am here for it. Oh, same. And those boots. Oh my god, those thigh-high boots. Lil Nas. I fucking want a pair. For a second, when it, I saw, like, Satan shoes trending, I was like, are they selling those boots? Because I want some. <laughs> but no, it's just Nikes. Low-key, I do want those Satan shoes, though. I don't have $1,500 to drop on a pair of knockoff Nikes, but... I mean, very low-key, I kind of want those shoes. But I really wanted the, like, massive thigh-high heels. I'm disappointed that those aren't the ones being sold to me I mean, via hashtag Satan shoes. We could just get you a pair of stripper boots, babe. I know, but they're not the same. I'll put a drop of my blood in it. Will that make you feel better? Yeah, we'll be closer. The Satan shoes have blood <laughs> in them. Yes, I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> just the face Kendra made. <laughs> I think she was making it at me. I was making it at both of you. No, okay. That, that's that's an insane thing. <laughs> so, Kelsey, Kendra, what did you think of the video? I really liked the video because I enjoy camp and religious mockery. It's enjoyable for me. The, the mere idea of dick writing the devil. I admire the video, and I too like to subvert and invert and distort religious mythology and experience. Uh, I'm not a fan of camp, though, and I know that makes me a bad queer. It's just not my thing, but I appreciate the video's moxie, and, like, it's not my aesthetic, but I can't just fully admit to being like, I loved it, beautiful, iconic, never been done before, amazing, world-changing, whatever Gaga says in the gif. <laughs> I liked the uh, the narrative, question mark, I guess, if there was one. <laughs> I, I support bottoming for the devil in spirit. Uh, I probably uh, wouldn't do spirit. it in shoes that are so tacky. You can only bottom for the devil and choose that tacky. I couldn't handle the denim, the, the council oh. of denim <laughs> that, like, sentences him to hell. That was not for me. But the that denim, was so funny. The denim fan and the denim everything. The denim cloak, the denim... I did like the wigs, though. That was good, uh... Wig artistry. Yes, like, I, again, I appreciate all the talent that went into mm -hmm. it, and know that that is a difficult look to pull off. It's just, yeah, I'm, I'm a bad gay and I don't like camp. I love Baroque. I don't like camp. I love Baroque and camp, so I'm... So this was just a, a <laughs> feast of the senses for Kelty. I am I am queen gay, so I I, I had... Kelty's the flamboyant one. Just in case you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> She's the flamboyant bitchy bottom. I am. Which means that Lil Nas X and I seem to have something in common. <sighs> you both hate God and want to fuck the devil. Want to fuck the devil. And wear too much denim. Rude. <laughs> those are the top three. <laughs> those, are the, those are the top three queer criteria. I wear just enough denim, thank you. Well, and Kelty has, um, or had... I guess, by default, a Western phase by being raised in Texas, so... Uh-huh. Yeah, would you wear that sequin cowboy getup he wears? Oh, I love that getup. Oh, I absolutely would. I love camp. I love camp. You're queen of camp. Oh, you're sweet. <laughs> I loved the imagery, the costuming, the choreography. My one complaint, though, is that the CGI left me wanting let's say. I thought it was great. <laughs> it played to the whole feel of the music video. And music videos these days are just itsy bitsy movies now, so... Itsy bitsy movies! Well, and the, like, weird vaporwave aesthetic that they had going on, yeah, was served by the kind of PS2 video game mm. era graphics yeah. of the CGI. I mean, it's an aesthetic. Did you see the tweet? Where he talks about writing the treatment for the video. No. 
he tweeted about writing a treatment for this video, like basically a brief rundown of what he wanted to happen. And in it, he uses a screen cap from SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> I don't know what's happening because I don't watch SpongeBob, but Patrick the Starfish is like standing in an arena in in chains yes. for some reason. <laughs> and he fully apparently just added that frame into the treatment for the video being like, this is what I want. Yeah, <laughs> I want this, this, please. And my jury of my peers is, I don't know, clothed head to foot in denim. <laughs> I just assumed it's because of his weird love relationship with Western apparel. Well, that could be it too. I Traditional don't know. masculinity. <laughs> I did like someone tweeted a picture of Jojo Siwa who came out this year and Lil Nas X who he had also he's already been out, but these are apparently the two big queer icons of the year as of fucking March. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I don't, I saw I don't know who this girl is. Jojo Siwa was a YouTuber. She still does YouTube. She was famous for being young and covered in glitter, and her mom made her uh, do all sorts of like dance competitions. She was one of those. Yeah, and now she's like eighteen That's and came out and has a girlfriend. I don't like the cute. way you said she's famous for being young and covered in glitter. <laughs> All of those little dance kids are, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's true. Doesn't mean I have to like it. <laughs> I'm under no delusions that that's exactly why she was popular. <laughs> but, ugh. So, like, that's the thing. Like, I don't get what YouTubers are famous for most of the time. Like, I get what the Game Grumps do. They do funny jokes while playing video games badly. Or I get what, like... ContraPoints does its video essays with outlandish costume design, but I don't get what most YouTubers actually just do. Yeah. And it's apparently just sell things and animatedly talk about their journeys. Yeah, that's the basic vlog <laughs> world. Capital J. You've been, you've been with me on this journey and my <laughs> listen to my story and my story is my journey and you've been with me for the story uh... of my journey and and prank videos. Ugh. I hate oh, those, yeah. though. I yeah, like... but then again, that's just punked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like... <laughs> which I also hated. They're treating it like they reinvented the fucking wheel. <laughs> I enjoyed the reference to the symposium. That was good, too. Because I'm a fucking douchey philosophy bitch. That was my favorite part of the video. Okay, so uh, in the beginning of the video, on the, like, tree of knowledge, um, there is, like, Greek words written into the tree trunk. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that comes uh, from Plato's Symposium, where he is... he's Plato, the author of it, is referencing a play by Aristophanes, who was a p- playwright at the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in the play by Aristophanes, and a lot of you will probably have heard of this because it is referenced in another iconic queer song, he is trying to basically account for the natural origins of human love and desire. So he imagines mankind originally being creatures that were two human bodies sort of glued up at the back. You could be, you could have a male half and a female half. You could have two men and you could have two women. And basically because the Greek gods are jealous as a form of punishment, Zeus split people in half and you are doomed basically to wander the earth looking for your lost half. And that's the song, the origin of love from Hedwig and the Angry Inch. They have a whole song that is basically a retelling of that myth that is also in Plato's symposium. So the Greek in the video is, is a passage from Plato's symposium Basically, that says, after the division, the two parts of man, each desiring his other half. Aww. So it is a reference to, I guess, the pre-Christian and naturalistic origins of non-heterosexuality, like homosexuality, bisexuality, because in this play, it is accounted for that some people's other halves will be other men, other women, or the opposite sex. 
So, like, that was a fun reference. Like, I, I assume that that is what he is indicating by including that in the video. Referencing a pre-Christian, non-Christian celebration and or at least, like, explanation of queer sexualities. And also referencing another famous famous air quotes queer song again i might have a skewed perception of how famous hedwig and the angry inch is but i love that song so yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah i cry like a bitch every time so yeah plato's symposium is the greek inscription on the tree and it references this origin myth of how human desire human love came to be Specifically including, like, non-heterosexual forms mm-hmm. of That's human desire. Lovely. And pre-Christian human desire. And then his snake self fucks him. Snake alien freaked me out a little bit. It was just the, the big head part. It was spooky. Yeah. But I appreciated it anyway. You reminded me of the Borg Queen. Yeah! Yeah! yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exactly why it freaked me out. I was not excited about it. Yeah, that's 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 not that doesn't do anything for me. If it does something for you, I'm I'm glad. Nas. I'm sure there are people who are into it. Oh yeah. Well. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah, between his Greek mythos slash SpongeBob imagery slash Dick riding the devil <laughs> coming out story. Uh I guess the only other thing that I kept seeing popping up was his furry drama. Because he done pissed off the furry community. And if you know anything, it's that furries be wild in. You're not supposed to do that. For as much good as the furry community does, they also have a lot of bad sides. Totally. I said previously on an episode that I find the furry community very chill. And I do, to each other. I feel like I should have <laughs> emphasized the furry yeah. community's pretty chill to each other. Like, my interest just comes from the fact that they have maybe the weirdest, cringiest interest. Huh. Like, there's no way, I think, to be cool and be a furry, which is fine. Dan Abadan tries. <laughs> but they, like, for as weird and cringy for lack of a better word as their like fandom hobby is they're super supportive of one another yeah like it's almost wholesome at times but man the furry community is definitely it is wholesome when it wants to be and just vitriolic when it wants to be i there's a really good documentary about it called the fandom on YouTube. It's about an hour and a half long and it tells the story of how the furry fandom really originated and how it became what we know today. Because originally it was just some people who found each other at a Star Trek convention and it was about these queers coming together because the furry community has a very large queer base. Uh I was gonna say like this could be incorrect. I have not looked into this. But just from my encounters, I would say that furries are majority queer, at least. I would think so. And then as time progresses, you know, things evolve. The furry, big air quotes, culture. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Becomes either more cringe or more sex positive. And so in the aughts, when the burned furs happen, that was... A whole thing. And if you don't know, the burned furs are when a bunch of furries got together and tried to sterilize the furry community by saying no more sexy furries and no more like furry sex parties. And all the news talks about is how we're all cringy and we all have sex in our fursuits. So no more. And a lot of people felt targeted because a lot of that in the early day with it being such a queer community was sanitizing queerness and queer sexuality out of first spaces for lack of <laughs> first spaces <laughs> oh my oh, i'm sorry i'm sorry to any furries listening i am not a furry i do my best i have no judgment 
where furry and cosplay intersect, that is a lot of where I get my knowledge because I am a cosplayer, so... <laughs> oh yeah, burned furs. Here's their mission statement. Quote, anthropomorphics fandom is being overrun by sexually dysfunctional, socially stunted, and creatively bankrupt hacks and pervs. Wow! Rude! The burned furs are what led to the alt-rights in the furry fandom. Wow! Really yeah. nothing new under the fucking sun, huh? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So that's why, because I did know, actually, there's like... A lot of aunties in the furry fandom. Well, there's a lot of aunties in the furry fandom, but even ignoring that, like, there's a lot of, like, ex-military in the furry fandom. Mm-hmm. That, like, more yeah. than feels statistically average. <laughs> I have, I have questions. I mean, I have no judgment on furries because I'm a monster fucker, so I feel like our differences are very minor, but I am still gonna laugh, because I also laugh at the fact that I'm a monster fucker. Well, I mean, yeah, like, I laugh at my own cringy shit. Like, (laughs) I'm sorry, if you're gonna put on a fucking dragon costume and go to raves and wear diapers or whatever, I'm gonna laugh at you. It's funny. I may also make out with you on E. I just have to, uh, I have to quote directly here from the wiki fur uh, oh, on dear. on the central on the central tenets of the burned furs beliefs <laughs> the group was often accused of wanting to impose some sort of anti-sexual vision on the rest of the fandom despite many members of the organization being creators of furry erotica mm-hmm. certain members of the group were intolerant of gays christian mm. furs mm. obscure fetishes and or erotic artwork Christian furs. Christian furs? Well, have you seen the Trump furry? Do not show that to me. I don't want to see it. I We will stop being friends. <laughs> if you show me Trump's fursona. No, it's just a furry that's pro-Trump and they made like a special fursuit that's like, Trump! Okay, that's, that's a little better, but I still don't want to see it. Oh my god, they have a flag! The burn, the burn furs have a flag! It looks like something out of Game of Thrones! Oh my god, that's so, so embarrassing! That's so funny. You really need to watch the fandom. It's good. It's wholesome until it's sad. <laughs> I'm watching it tonight. Yeah, we're gonna watch that. Wow, and yeah, this all happened yeah. in like 98, 2001. Jesus. That's crazy how, wow, man, the furries <laughs> have done everything already, huh? Yep. Well, I knew about the burn first from, again, just where my cosplay circles intersected with furry circles. So I, I didn't realize at the time, though, that they were going to turn into this, like, Nazi group in the furry community. Yeah, the moral police of the furries. <laughs> furry Nazis. Well, I knew about furry Nazis. What morality are you attempting to police in the furry fandom? In the fur space, if you will. (laughs) The anthrosphere. The anthrosphere. (laughs) I love that. Oh no. I'm gonna use that. That's great. So, join me. We're gonna do a time warp back a full year ago. Take me there. Hmm. Full year ago was our second week of quarantine. Hmm. For us, particularly here in Canada. Yeah, full year ago, give or take. Uh Lil Nas stated that he wanted a fursuit because he's a giant troll. His whole internet presence is him trolling on TikTok and Twitter and currently trolling state legislators (laughs) and representatives. Which is fun. Yeah, he's a bitchy bottom. It's Uh what they be, it's what they do. I live with one. Yeah. (laughs) So specifically... He had tagged a up-and-coming furry named Sonic Fox, who was popular for being trans and a gamer and- Pause. What is an up-and-coming furry? Pause. (laughs) Fuck you. No, they were a furry that was like an up-and-coming gamer. I said it wrong. That's me. What's an up-and-coming gamer? Do you mean an up-and-coming YouTuber? Okay. Uh, Like a Twitch streamer? Gotcha. Okay. Okay. There's a lot of identities overlapping <laughs> on this one kid. Sonic Fox has a lot going for him. Not to be confused with Sonic Chew, which was the Chris Chan thing. and Was? That's oh. that's a... Yeah. That is still happening. Let's, let's I know, not. I want to talk about it one day. 
Let's oh. never actually. Oh instead. God, Chris Chad. Leave that kid alone. That poor, poor family. <laughs> <sighs> so upon him tweeting that he wanted a fursuit, despite the fact that he's you know tweeting at Sonic Fox, a bunch of people start flooding him with. Hey, I make fursuits, or hey, you should contact this fursuit maker. And seemingly at random, as far as I can tell, and correct me in the comments if I'm wrong, but seemingly at random, he picks this fursuit maker named Sarah Cat. And Sarah Cat, being excited, chooses to brag about it. You know. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, got a, got a big old commission. Yeah, pretty psyched. Unfortunately, some people were unhappy that they happened to be the person to receive this commission. So Sarah is then flooded with a bunch of death threats and harassment. And stop me if you've heard this one before, but it ends with her in the hospital from Oh my just god. All the anxiety. Mm-hmm. Of being, yeah, god, I can't imagine being the target of a furry hate mob. Jesus. Yeah, me either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, as that happens, apparently Lil Nas ghosts them and disappears and hide nor hair was ever heard again about him wanting a fursuit until a couple weeks ago when he shared a TikTok of himself in a fursuit in the bathtub. Just straight vibing, right? Same. Being a little internet troll. Can you put a fursuit in the bathtub? Yeah, you can wash them. You can wash them. I mean, they're fabric. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, I've seen it debated whether or not it was okay (laughs) to do that. I mean, you know, Uh, the kid can get another one. It's fine. Well, so here's the issue, though. The nexus of our drama. The fursuit that he was wearing was a cheap ripoff of a well-known furry's OC. Oh. Huh. Oh. So he spent about two to $500 max on this suit for a joke that was unintentionally a complete ripoff of a- another creator's work. And people got mad that he was stealing this creator's work and- going to a knockoff company Mm -hmm. because that's a big taboo in the furry community well yeah i mean god i would imagine you put so much of your time and effort into creating this content to have then like you know a famous celebrity millionaire rip it off has got to be a little disheartening Mm -hmm. yeah uh the (laughs) the person who they ripped off is rivala wolf R-I-V-A-L-O Wolf. Don't know how to pronounce that. I apologize. And they seem pretty okay. They've released a big air quote statement saying, you know, I did not expect him to know that. I cannot control that my work is being ripped off and mass produced. I'm unhappy about it, but there's nothing I can do about it. Don't harass Lil Nas X. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people who defend the fact that he bought this cheap ripoff because, like I said, that's a two to five hundred dollar investment for a one-off TikTok joke versus a five thousand dollar custom-made fursuit. And <laughs> yeah, that's been highly debated whether or not that is ethical in the furry community. I don't know why the ethical sourcing of fursuits. <laughs> I don't know specifically. I- I- I'm sure there are furry purists out there who will say it's ignorant (laughs) oh boy (laughs) to not know why uh well yeah there are people mad that he bought a knockoff i get it sure i'm sorry that you're a purist and you don't want people buying mass-produced fursuits okay (laughs) (laughs) okay i think there is something to be said about the fact that he probably only wanted to spend a small amount on it and that is a high barrier to entry because damn yeah and i don't know why he would know that it's taboo not to buy a custom fursuit because anybody who doesn't know anything about furries why would they know about your furry laws and doctrine and big air quotes culture because that's another thing that started circulating was that a celebrity was 
ripping off furry culture. Furry culture. <laughs> Appropriating furry culture. Oh boy, oh. And people say they say white people have no culture. <laughs> oh boy. Here we are, man. I just there certainly were a lot of people saying that there is no furry culture, and I think that is more of a theological debate when it comes to what you consider culture to be. I mean, they absolutely they absolutely have a yeah. subculture. I can yeah. they 100% like that is that is a social group that has its own values and rituals and social hierarchy and all of that. Mythology, history, language, lexicon. But is it a culture that you can appropriate? I mean, I, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I would have yes. to think so because there's no, like, I don't know. Are we going to argue that furries are a closed culture? Like, <laughs> do we want to argue that? <laughs> Uh, I might argue that. <laughs> oh, uh, so yeah, he caught a lot of backlash. And cherry on top, he then tweets out, I apologize to the furry community. Aw. And then deletes said tweet after a couple days. So furries who might have accepted that apology no longer felt that way. Oh. Wait, he, he deleted the apology tweet? Yep. Oh, okay. Oh. I thought he had deleted the the original bathroom TikTok. Yeah, link. me too. The bathroom TikTok's still up. Man. Oh, okay. Just <sighs> letting marketing execs develop the language with which we now all communicate to one another about social media was a bad idea. Because now I have to say words like he tweeted and the TikTok bathroom link, and that just sounds <laughs> like nonsense. Yeah, <laughs> that does sound like nonsense. Do you know how un-inscrutable it would have been even ten years ago to say he tweeted that? <laughs> yeah. Twitter Twitter was a thing. Yeah, yeah Twitter, it, Twitter was a thing ten years ago. I had a Twitter ten years ago, but, like, polit- or anchors on the news weren't like, today a politician tweeted. Yeah, nobody <laughs> cared. Like, people weren't using it yet, really. It was all early adopters. That's true. Man, had my first. I had my Twitter account in two thousand nine. Yep, mm-hmm. that's around the time I got mine too. I didn't get mine until I met Kelty. That's true. <laughs> I made you. Yeah, I, there certainly is a weird place where things that were fandom or queer culture that were, I guess, I'm going to say underground for lack of a better word, are now things we talk about on the news. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess that's been something for forever, but we've started talking about furries on the news back in the 90s, maybe the 80s, in the, like, weird, like, hey, did you know people dress up as animals? In a freak show way? Yeah, well, I remember, actually, and this is gonna date me pretty hard, but my first encounter with the concept of furries came from an episode of CSI. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. The original Las Vegas CSI, uh, an episode that Google tells me aired in 2003. And I was like 12 or 13 when I saw that. And like, it is fully leaning into the freak show aspect of furries. Like, the plot of that episode is one furry kills another furry in the middle of a, of a big yiff pile. <laughs> Like it is, it is not a sensitive. It is not a sensitive and nuanced portrayal of the of the subculture. That is how I learned the word "yif." Yeah, <laughs> same z's. And like, yes, I. It is not like a sensitive or sincere or nuanced portrayal of this community. But also, like, and don't hold me to any of this because I have not seen this probably since it first aired in two thousand three, but. I think at least partly because the premise of the show is that, you know, they're trying to solve a murder and they don't really care too much about the weirdness that goes on around them because all these characters live in Vegas and Vegas is a freak show 24-7. Like, there was some respectful treatment of the furries. <laughs> like, well, there was at least, there was an attempt, let's yeah. say. In, in the sense, like, in as much as... CSI was sensitive. Had, had a sensitive some... portrayal of anything. Yeah. yeah. It, it... Apparently they like consulted local furries before they made that episode. I would believe uh, it. Apparently. Because 
Yeah, like they they get the jargon right. I mean, and that's true, yeah. They yeah, like there are a number of furries. Like a furry is a victim, but a furry is also the killer, and there's like, you know, the red herring furry who just seems like a weirdo, <laughs> but he didn't actually do anything. Yeah. <laughs> he just he was weird, and so they were like, it was probably him. <laughs> Man. Yeah, that sure was an episode. CSI was great. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was called Fur and Loathing. Oh, that's right! Oh, no! Because it's set in Vegas! (laughs) Was it set in Vegas? (gasps) Ah, That's so cute! I'm sure, like, within the furry fandom, this episode is, like, tantamount to a hate crime. But (laughs) as, like, baby's first introduction to what furries and anthros were, it it was fine. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just on the Wikipedia. I'm on the Wikipedia page for right now. (laughs) I gotta read this quote. Toronto-based filmmaker Michael McNamara, who had been working on his own documentary episode on furry fandom, said that the CSI episode, quote, portrayed the community as a community of sexual deviants who like to have sex in fur costumes, and expressed that, quote, it winds up giving the whole fandom a bad name, which made them nervous and camera shy, so it was tricky to get their trust. He wrote that the Deviancy, quote, probably represents about 2% of the fandom, but it's the one, obviously, that the press always gleefully jumps on. <laughs> oh. Like, I don't know, man. I've been on the internet for a while. I've seen furries. I think you're lowballing it. I think you're lowballing it, but I also the don't perversion. think. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad thing. No! Again, I'm, it must be said, I don't care! Have sex orgies in your fur costumes. I don't care. As like, long as everybody's if, of age and consenting. If everyone it's... there is a consenting adult, do whatever freaky shit you gotta do to come, man. Like, it's... The it's world a is free, hard out there. It's a free dose of dopamine <laughs> and, like, how how rare is that? You usually have to pay a lot of money for that amount of fentanyl. I mean, yeah, and like, I don't even, I don't even beat around the bush. I refer to myself as a monster fucker. Like, you know, I know what I am. I'm here to fuck the monster. So I don't think you're bad for wanting to fuck in a furry suit. Yeah, I don't want anyone to think that we're coming down as anti-furry here. God, no. But you have to admit, it's weird. Furries. Yeah. Like, it's a little weird. I've got my weird sex shit. I absolutely do. Lots of it. It's it's certainly not dressing up in a polyester suit and pretending I am a horse. No. <laughs> yeah. We all do cringe things. We all do things <laughs> to get off. No one's judging, but I think there also has to be a level of self-awareness there. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, if, <laughs> if I'm wandering around a hotel in my full-on, you know, BDSM dungeon getup, and, I don't know, the the conference of... What's a boring conference? <laughs> like, the conference of potato farmers is also at the hotel that weekend. I'm not going to pretend to be offended. I went to a Doctor Who convention one time, and I was staying in the hotel next door, and the hotel next door was having just, like, a normal-ass business conference all weekend. (laughs) So I'm running around in the hotel, going from hotel to hotel, dressed as, like, the TARDIS. Yeah! (laughs) And there's guys walking around in suits. (laughs) Completely, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been to conventions. I've been to just normal conventions where I'm dressed... Yeah, just normal cringe anime conventions. Random (laughs) characters, and, like, I'll run into people, and I'm like, you certainly aren't here for the convention. (laughs) You are looking at me funny. That is the thing now I have noticed in fandom, that culture in general, like, obviously not just fandom, but culture in general kind of swings between periods of sincerity and irony. So... I would argue, personally, that the 80s, at least in America, was a very sincere moment in culture. And then the 90s was a very ironic moment in culture. And then it swung back in kind of like the late aughts, early teens was another sincere moment. And now we're swinging hard back to irony. So, (laughs) like, kids younger than us, I guess, are coming up in a moment of, like, supreme irony where... 
just enjoying anything is cringe. Like, just to, ha- to have an unironic, genuine enjoyment of anything is embarrassing. <laughs> At least that's what it seems like to me. Like, and I, I, I guess I didn't appreciate, like, not being able to enjoy things. So part of the allure or the appeal of fandom to me was that it was like a wholly sincere space. Yeah. Like, you could be as fucking crazy over the top into comic books, movies, TV, books, whatever it was. And, like, no one really thought it was, like, too much. Because... Yeah. <laughs> for for a nerd, like, I guess one of the, like, classical essential experiences of being a nerd or a geek or whatever is just liking something way, way, way more than most people do. Yeah. And, like, that was part of the appeal of fandom, was just you found a bunch of people who genuinely were as interested in this weird, obscure thing, whatever it was, if it was a video game, if it was a book, if it was Dungeons and Dragons, whatever. If it was dressing up like an animal and licking your friends. And so now that I see, like, the general pop culture kind of swinging back to a moment of irony, that's the source of cringe to me, at least, as a concept. This sort of mockery of people... Like, doing anything genuine. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. people in, engaged in anything without, like, four or five layers of irony armor around them yeah. is cringe now. I don't know. It's just strange to me. Or, not strange, but... Depressing. Depressing? Because, like, I, fucking, I'm a sarcastic bitch. I love, I love my irony as much as everyone else, but... Same. Man, like, that can't sustain you. Like, you gotta just enjoy something with your total cringy heart every now and again, don't you? Do you just... Or do you just sit back scoffing at everything? Like, is that... Is that the goal? I gotta say, as somebody who's lived my entire life just seeped in sincerity, that shit just gets tiring, man. Like, it's just exhausting to be sarcastic all the time. And, like... I enjoy a good sarcasm now and again, a little jape, but uh, it's just exhausting. Just love shit, man. It's it's better for your soul. Yeah, be be like the goat says. Like I am cringe, but I am free. Yeah, like the irony prison is is just a it's just a form of social control, baby. It's just the man telling you what to do if you wanna yeah. if you wanna be a rebellious little contrarian about it. Yeah. And it's kind of embarrassing. I think a lot of fandom in general just needs to recognize that it is cringe and that's okay. That's what I mean. Like, who are we trying to impress? Like, who who are the mean girls of fandom who we're all trying to simp for? (laughs) You know, like, who's jealous? But, you know, look what happened there. She full on got Regina George and ran over by a bus. Yeah, that was... That was a look. She nuked her account after a real, real bad take. A week after her really bad take. <laughs> I mean, it was a bad take, but like... I don't think she deserves to be cancelled for her well, stupid, shitty take. Well, that, that's the thing, is that it was not her take that was bad. It was her doubling down and refusing to even entertain the idea that she had misphrased some things like it to me the more embarrassing part of that was not that she had a bad take was it was that everyone saying like you know maybe this is a little insensitive or maybe this is maybe this is worded a little poorly was she was so defensive about it just got turned into people are willfully misinterpreting my point and if you're just too stupid to understand my my simple english words then i guess we're done here mm-hmm. like it was the fact that anyone who disagreed with her take basically was was a willful bad actor and was arguing in bad faith to cancel well, and if anybody hasn't like, seen it yeah. uh, her specific bad take is cuz i have the screenshot pre her nuking her whole twitter uh, she says, watched Rhea and the Last Dragon, and I think we need to come up with a name for this genre that is basically Avatar The Last Airbender Redos. It's like half of all YA fantasy published in the last few years anyway. A lot of people thought, it mm-hmm. appears, that she was comparing Avatar and Rhea 
because they were both fantasy settings inspired by Asian mm. cultures, which is not at least what she claims she was doing. She was claiming that it had more to do with the fact that the avatar elements that she found in Rhea, which I have not seen, by the way, were had to do with there being like separate kingdoms and there being like a chosen one who unites the kingdoms and like fine. Like, I don't know. But Asian people were like this this could be read as like you discounting this Asian Southeast Asian inspired film due to the fact that it's too similar to the only other well-known Asian fantasy or like Asian inspired fantasy, you know, helmed by two white guys. Like, I don't want to give Avatar like too many credentials. It was helmed by two white male showrunners, but they thought that she was claiming that anything, I guess, that takes inspiration from Asian culture is just ripping off Avatar, which I don't, I don't think that's what she said, but I understand how people could arrive at that conclusion. But then instead of being like, I'm sorry, this was a misinterpretation. I understand that this is maybe, you know, a sensitive time for this community for me to just be like piping out my, my piping hot takes uh, all over Twitter. But it had more to do with the tropes about, you know, world building and there being a chosen one who unites the kingdoms, blah, blah, blah. But instead of doing that, she just doubled down and like anyone who sees this as a racist statement is willfully misinterpreting me and I guess you're just too stupid to read my simple tweets mm-hmm. and then yeah deleted her account yep I'm sure she'll be back oh of course oh yeah she's got a book to promote any YouTuber or honestly even YA author has to have some semblance of a online presence otherwise you're just not gonna succeed to that extent no which is unfortunate like Man. I don't know. It was a bad look on Lindsay Ellis's part because when she does come back, people are going to be like, hey, remember why you left? And like, full disclosure, I I like Lindsay Ellis's videos. Like, I don't think this is something she needed to be canceled over. I don't but either. I do agree with the criticism of her that she is extremely defensive and yeah. and cannot take even even modest pushback and has not been able to since like the nostalgia chick days and i guess this was only a matter of time <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah any any sort of disagreement with her gets construed as very personal and just sort of you are too stupid to understand what i really mean sarah zed also popped in with a scalding hot 8 million tweet long <gasps> red take that is not worth reading. Man, it sure was. 8 million <laughs> tweets. No. no. She just sort of says the same three things over and over. She does. Like, influencers are people too. Don't bully me. Bitch, we know. And I mean, like, yeah, that must be really hard for you to be subject to a hate campaign like that. Imagine how much worse it would be if you had no followers and didn't have an income from it. Yeah. You just had to take that abuse for free. Yeah. Imagine. Imagine Sarah. if you participated in directing hate <laughs> campaigns against smaller accounts. That would Whoa. be embarrassing. <laughs> oh god. Really fucking tone deaf on her part. Yeah. Yeah. But god, she's way younger than I expected. I I didn't know she was only 22. Oh shit, no wonder. Mhm. It's a very... No offense to any 22-year-olds, you're gonna grow out of it. It'll yeah, be fine. like, I also was 22 once and thought I knew everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, talk about cringe. <laughs> I am proudly cringe, thanks. Oh, I want a, I want a pro-cringe button. Let's start a pro-cringe movement. <laughs> I have. Have you seen me? Yeah. My existence is a pro-cringe movement. We're very (laughs) avant-garde. But yeah, that's between Lindsay Ellis and Sarah updates and Lil Nas's video. It was honestly a kind of quiet week. Well, I think it just got dominated by... It got dominated by the boat. Yeah. It got dominated by the Lil Nas X video and it got dominated by Lindsay Ellis having a meltdown and deleting her account. 
Yeah, it was kind of a quiet week, though. I feel like we were all just waiting for, for the boat to ride itself. Well, the boat was blocking all fandom drama from reaching the sea. <laughs> God, put it back. <laughs> yeah. Let's go back to writing fic of the boat. And the earth mover. Yeah. Aww. They're cute together. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're problematic because idealizing tiny earth mover bodies against large container ship bodies is actually pedophilic. Oh. Don't sexualize the boat because the boat was only created three years ago, so it is a minor... (laughs) But yeah, otherwise, I think that's it. I think we talked about the thing. I think we talked about the thing. Just some little little gay history lesson about the symposium, and then talking about the hot mess of the furry fandom, and then... Speaking of furry fandom, though... Gasps. I made us, per Kelty's request, little monster sonas, and I'm gonna make them the thumbnail for this episode... So if you want to see them, go to our Twitter and Instagram at Blissfully Show. I am a werewolf. Kelty is a little kraken. And Kendra's a mothman. I love them. They're cute. I want a thousand fan arts of my my beautiful kraken monster self. She's so cute. They're cute. They're fun. Little nonsense. I can be cringe. People can think I'm cringe. I don't care. I mean, yeah, I... Again, I revel in it. Yeah, support your local fursuiter, too. I also want to actually give a shout out to Origami Griffin over on Twitter for answering some of my furry culture questions and uh, questions on the timeline, (laughs) the general timeline of this little Nas fursuit debacle. So Ah. thank you. Uh, If you'd like to find us online, like I said, our Twitter and Instagram is at Blissfully Show. I post links to our YouTube there. New episodes every Friday, hopefully. (laughs) And otherwise, if you're watching this on YouTube, punch that subscribe button. Whatever button you're supposed to punch, punch it. And we will see you next time. Help us defeat the algorithm. Just crash your boat right into that button, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I was like, I know it's not, but it sounded like a sex act. Bye! I have one thing to say, and I want to say it very loudly and into a microphone.